Memorial Day, we never want to forget uh, the privilege that uh, we enjoy. Here's another thing. Let me say God bless you and thank you for being here uh, this morning. When you come to church each service, you are testifying to your family what is important to you. When you come to church on Sunday, you are telling your neighbors what's a priority in your family. You're telling other family members what's of value to you. And people do, in fact, do watch what you and I do. Thank God that the majority of you are not sporadic church attenders. You are faithful. And as your pastor, I look out, I know that each Sunday I count on you. We have over 6,000 members, and at any given Sunday, 3,000 of them or so will not be here. So we have about every fifth Sunday a turnaround, many that's here. But I want to let you know if there's ever an hour <clears throat> that we need to be seen faithful to a community out there and to family and say, hey, today is the Lord's day. This is not the Sabbath, that was yesterday, but this is the Lord's day. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves on the Lord's day. We honor God, and we honor our country, and we honor one another, and most importantly, we honor the head of the church, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. If you believe that, put your hands together. Bob Singleton, who served on our church board for many, many years, and one of the individuals here from the very beginning, you have prayed for him, slipped into the presence of the Lord uh, yesterday afternoon about 8.30 to 9 o'clock. He uh, entered into the presence of Almighty God. I don't know the details of that coronation service meeting today at 2.30 with the family, uh, and those details will be, and when we do, we'll tell many of our congregation who know uh, knew Bob Singleton and Heather and their family. Their daughter and husband, Andy and Stacy Whitman, are missionar our missionaries and have served beautifully. I want to just give you a couple of points here in the message um, and, and so that you understand if you get the salient points. Number one, you cannot count on tomorrow. Number two, don't make a presumption about all your plans instead of engaging God in your plans. And number three, be careful that you don't boast of your plans and not have God engaged in what's going on in the whole of your life. And if you get those points, then that will be important. Matter of fact, while I'm thinking about it, what about giving our online audience, there are thousands of them, a great big victory welcome this morning. Would you do that? They can hear you. 16 years ago, this coming September, America faced the worst tragedy that we have ever faced as it relates to terrorists coming to our territory. 16 years ago, this September, Osama bin Laden, one man who was the influencer, one man that put the plan together, one man that inspired others, created the opportunity for that to happen. So when you say, I'm just one person, what could I do? You don't know the impact that you really have. A man on the backside of a desert across the world 
still influences through terrorism today and still was the main influencer to what happened on, on 9-11. We know that you and I have the ability to control our destiny. Our destiny, as some might think, well, it's pre-planned, so I don't, uh, I don't have much choice. It's just inevitable. What, what's going to happen is going to happen, and that is the furthest thing from the truth. That's what Buddhism believes. That's what Islamists believe, but not Christianity. And I'm going to show that to you because Christianity, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make a decision. Your decision here today will, in fact, enhance the destiny of some that you don't even know just by you attending faithfully to the church. So Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, speaks to us today as if it was just written. Verse 15, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today, love the Lord your God and walk in his ways and keep his commands, decrees, laws, and then you'll live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But, however, if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you by some means or circumstance are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. Boy, you can't misunderstand that legitimately. You will not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Now choose life so that you and your children, it affects others may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You get to choose. You get to choose if you choose life according to that or death. You get to choose whether or not you speak a foul language. You get to choose whether you go to church. You get to choose in the privilege of making a choice. I choose life. How about you? In a Rasmussen poll, which is like a Gallup poll, it shared the stats about how Americans feel about their future. 38% of Americans believe that our best days are ahead. 38%. 16% said, I'm not sure. 46%, the strongest majority, 46%, they're certain that our best days are behind us. How do you feel about that? How do you live your life? Well, here's what the Word of God says. Whatever it is you choose to believe, you're right. Whether you think your best days are ahead or you think, my friend, that your best days are behind you, you're right. You know why? Because here's what the Bible says. According to your faith, it will be done to you. According to your faith. So nobody else is going to push their way on you. No one else is going to impact you. You get to stand straight up, man up, and say, here's what I do believe. I believe that life is ups and downs, but I'm going to land on the upside because I believe God is in my life and in my heart. I'm going to say I can more than I can as it relates to forward progress. Where it is, unto my faith, that's what I do believe. Some people think, boy, at this stage in my life, I'm giving up hope. I'm going to quit and stop. I believe my life, my family, my future, my business is on a slow slide down into the midst of failure, and there will never be hope for us again. 
Well, you know, Jesus had brothers and sisters, half brothers and sisters. We know that Mary was his mother, but God the Father was his father. So James was one of his brothers, of course, and he was a half-brother, and James has written a book. It's found there in the New Testament. But James chose not to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He just said no matter what he saw, no matter how many miracles, I would think if my brother would raise the dead that I would say there's something about him special. Or if he turned water into wine, I'd say there must be something. But James just chose not to believe that until Jesus went, died on the cross, went to the grave. James knew that he was dead, went, and the third day rose again, and Jesus appeared. At that point in time, James said, hey, my, my brother... My brother is unique in something special. He said he was the Son of God. Now I believe that he is the Son of God. So out of James's experience, he writes in a book and he gives us. James was straightforward, and my friend shared it. James 4, verse 13. Listen here, he says. You who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain city and we're going to stay there a year and we're going to do business and there we'll make a profit, how do you know what's going to happen tomorrow? Your life is like morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you'd just be boasting and bragging. And all such boasting is evil. Anyone who knows, uh-oh, Anyone who, know, uh-oh, anyone who knows the right thing to do but doesn't do it, sins. Ooh, my Lord, help me. You're going to have to sit up straighter now. Here we go. The text is loaded with information, and he gives three mistakes that people make in their life out of that whole text. Here it is. You say today or tomorrow. We're going to go. It's a couple businessmen having a little conversation here. Let's assume that. You're going to say today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain city. We're going to stay there a year. We're going to do business there, and we're going to make a profit. What's wrong with that? Sound like a good plan of action? Sounds like a good strategy? Well, we talked about last week the man who, who wouldn't plan, and we talked about the man who did plan, and the Bible supports the man says you ought to have a strategy, and you ought to have a plan. And we also know from last week's message, it's foolish if you don't have some kind of a plan. Here's what he says. He gives the when, today or tomorrow. That's when we're going to do it. He gives the where. We're going to do it in a specific city. He gives how long. We're going to stay there a year. He says, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to have a business there. And he says, why? Why are we going to have a business? Oh, we're going to make a profit. The book of Proverbs has a lot of information that shares about that strategy. Talks about plan, talks about purpose, talks about place, talks about progress, talks about profits. And the Bible says that making a profit is a good thing if you're in business. So what are the three things that James says is wrong with what we just heard? Number one, setting goals or plans without God. Now, here's the subtle thing. Most people who might be professing followers would never come right out and admit, I just, you know, I, I never stop to talk to God about my strategy. I just go do it. Man, he gave you a good mind. We'd never admit that sometimes we overlook in our planning and our strategy 
the voice of God in our life. You notice carefully, not a single mention in that plan, not one single mention does he mention God. Not one single mention. You know what James said? He ought to say, if it's the Lord's will. James said, that's what he ought to say. But Luke 14 says, no king goes to battle without planning. And Jesus said, no man builds a tower without figuring out how much it's going to cost. Otherwise, he may not be able to finish it. Proverbs said it's foolish not to plan. What did he forget? He planned without sincerely praying and seeking God. His attitude was, hey, I have assets. I have resources. I have a plan. I have capital. So I'm going for it. I've got everything that nature tells us, business plan tells us that you ought to do. And what he should say, and most importantly, I have peace with God that this is what I need to do. Someone might say, well, I keep my business and my spiritual life, my church life separated. That's a bad mistake. It's a huge mistake. If you're the key component of your business, do you know how long it would take you to be absent from that business that would adversely affect that business without your influence in it? How long do you think it would take God to remove you from the face? How long? Bob Singleton died yesterday afternoon at 8.30. Last Saturday, I sat with him, talked with him. He was up in a chair. The doctor came in and said, we hope your kidneys are going to kick in. Looks like they're doing better. We're going to believe for the future and it's going to hope. I said, amen. I anointed him with oil and prayed. But yesterday, a week later, he slipped into the presence of the Lord. Was it a good time for him to die? You pick a good time for you to die. I would say, I don't know that there is a good time usually to die. How about you? How about you? So here's what he goes. He said, all right, I keep it separate. Fatal mistake. Here's what. If the Lord is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. He said, I, I don't want to be segregated. Now, here it is. I want you to take, assume, assume that I'm holding a pie. Everybody got in a, who does not have an imagination? All right, let's assume this pie is a coconut cream pie. Or let's say it's a, a chocolate, a, a, a dark chocolate pie with Cool Whip on top. Or, or let's, say, let's say that it's an apple crisp pie. You know, or let's say it's a blueberry, or let's, let's say it's a lemon meringue, whatever it is, and let's make it bigger. <laughs> bigger. That pie in the sum total is a whole, right? The, the whole sum total of this pie. Now, if I take a, a, a cutting, what do you call that? A knife cutter, a pie cutter, whatever you call it. And I make one slice in that pie. I have taken away the integrity of the whole of that pie. If I cut a slice out, it's no longer the whole pie. I have caused the integrity of that pie to crash. But if I keep it whole. And here's what a lot of people want to do. And this is how the devil works. He said, I want you to take, let's say, your business life and cut it out of the whole of your life. So that your business life over here has nothing to do with your church life, has nothing to do with your spirit, man, and you just kind of live like you want to in your business life, and God's not mentioned a whole lot. And God said, hey, I want you to put that piece back. I want to be the whole. 
Oh, you see, my church life and my family life is different. You know, you take that piece out and you say, hey, here it is. I, I, I want my, my other part of my life, my secular part, buddies I hang around with. I want that cut out, my coffin buddies. And you cut that out, and over here your church life says, man, you're an upright Christian. You love God, and people know you love God, but your golfing buddies say, I'll tell you what, but if he misses a shot, he's just liable to take a golf club and bend it or throw it and turn loose on God's name in vain. God said, I don't, I don't want that. If I'm not Lord of all, I'm not Lord at all. Well, the average businessman would say, well, take what you can get, but not God. God said, I paid too valuable price to settle for a compromise. It's either you're all in or you're not at all. Anything wrong with that? Well, let me make it come to home. So a husband says to his wife, darling, you know how much I love you. You have my whole heart except for one little brunette blonde. <laughs> and every once in a while, I have a stray hair. And I have to go see her. And I have to have her. Now, now let me tell you something, ladies. Any lady in this room would say, I'll put up with that. It's better than not having anything. If you'll do that, why don't you just stand up on your feet right now and see who you are. You know why? Because here's yard talk. That ain't right. I want all of you, or I don't want, I want none of you. Everybody with me? Somebody say Amen. See, here's what I know. My live audience is amening me right down right now. I know that. They're getting closer to the set. He said, instead of say, in that business plan, I will, I will, I will, here's what James says. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this, or we will do that. The trust is, God, I want your will in my life. Do you know what life, how do you spell life? L-I-F-E. Do you know what's in the middle of life? If, if. So here's what God said I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to plan. I want you to believe. I want, to, I want you to have strategy. I want you to put it together. I want you to have a business plan. I want you to have the strategy. And then I want you to say, if it is the Lord's will, this is what I want to do. I want to take the middle of life, if, and say, if it is the Lord's will, that's what I want to do. You know, listen, you young people, don't fall in lust and love before you talk to God about him. Amen? Amen. Don't get it till you get on that third date and he's done smacked you several times. And then say, God, now, is he the one that I want? Mm -mm 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 -mm. Talk to God before. Matter of fact, come talk to me. I'll say, let's see if they got a business plan. Let's check their stock portfolio. Let's check their church attendance. Let's check their devotion. Bring them on in where I can talk to them. I'm good at it. Amen? 
Here's what I share with you. Not my will, Jesus said. What was it? Not my will, but thy will be done. God, not anything that I want, but your will, if it's the Lord's will. Proverbs 16, verse 1 says, we make our plans, but God will have the last word. How many believe that? You may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives and ask the Lord to bless your plans and you'll be successful in carrying them out. Everything the Lord has made has its destiny. Proverbs 16, 9, he says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. He determines our steps. Number two, presuming about tomorrow. How many of you kind of know what you're going to do tomorrow? May I see you and you kind of know. Okay, please, I need a little help. How many of you kind of, see, I put kind of, I didn't say how many know what you're going to do. I put kind of know what you're going to do tomorrow. May I see your answer? Good, kind of know. Okay, how many of you involves hot dogs? You kind of know that. Sure, we kind of know, presuming tomorrow. So, so here's an obvious question. You say, well, I got the answer. Are you, are you going to make it till tomorrow? All right, you're going to make it to tomorrow? Here we go. Planning without God and presuming about tomorrow is thinking and believing that you know what's going to happen. People may play big money. They pay big money to go talk, look at the horoscope, astrology, palm reading, tea leaf reading, crystal balls. It's all baloney. Oh, no, it's not, Pastor. I went to one for sure. And they told me I was going to live tomorrow. The next day, and I didn't think I would. Baloney. The only one that knew you were going to live tomorrow was your father, your heavenly father. So when you see, just next time you see, lottery winner, winner is a psychic who sought their forces and called the lottery right, and they won. When you see that, let me know. Because don't you think of any psychic, any palm reader, reader, any tea leaf reader could figure out the numbers to the winning lottery of $50 million that they'd be about doing it. How do you feel about that? But yard talk, they ain't done it. James 4.14, how do you know what's going to happen tomorrow for your life is a morning fog? It's here for a little while. It's gone. And if you just be boasting and bragging about all that, why? Number one, here's what I know. Your life's unpredictable. September the 10th, who could have predicted on September the 10th what was going to happen on September the 11th? Who would have predicted that? It's unpredictable. James said our goal is not to presume tomorrow, but to trust God for today. That's why we hear the phrase, remember this, give us our daily bread. He didn't say, oh, God, give us our weekly bread. Give us our monthly bread. Give us our quarterly bread. Give us our annual bread. He said, give us our daily bread. Why? He said, God said, I want you to trust me just for today. Just for today. Trust me just for today. If you trust me just for today, I'll give you everything that you need. And then here's another point. Your life is brief. 
like the morning fog, here for a little while, and it's gone. The Greek word for fog is uh, atmos, atmosphere, meaning your life is a vapor. Don't assume you have a lot of time. It's the biggest mistake that people make. You say, I have plenty of time to do this, and I'm going to get around to it someday. I'll just, I'll get to that. There is no guarantee. Isaiah 56, verse number 12, God kind of pokes fun at individuals, say, here's what we're going to do. And I'm paraphrasing this. The crowd cries, let's get the wine vats open and the beer open. Tomorrow we're going to have a party and drinks on everyone. Enjoy yourself. Hamburgers, hot dogs, it's going to be a blast. He said, be careful you don't do that. Because what if one of you, I chose for you not to be there, and a student in Mulberry this past week on the way to graduation did not make the graduation. Life ended. See, we know all this. Or, you know what I've done so well? I need to build bigger barns. I need to have a greater strategy. I need more to try to keep. God never created you to do this. God created you to do this. God created you to do this. He says, well, and when you do that, you're going to build that bigger barn. He said, you fool, tonight what if your soul is required of you? So Proverbs 27, don't boast about tomorrow for you don't know what the day may bring forth. Prudent man foresees difficulties ahead and prepares for them. Then the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So you say, well, which is it? Here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to plan for tomorrow. But he, want, he desires that we live today. And he desires that we let tomorrow go or yesterday go. It's done. We give it up to God. And God says, oh, you go ahead and plan for tomorrow. But you say, if it's the Lord's will, that will happen. But here's what God says. I want, I want you to seek my face today. I want you to live out today for the, to the best of your ability. And don't boast about what big plans you've made. Be sure your motive is right. It's right to say, well, God, the Lord willing, the Lord. I had to learn this lesson as a young preacher. I had older people around me that had been in ministry, and I mean, I'm get up and go. You don't need to pull the starter gun. Give me the gun. I'll pull the trigger for you and then be gone. Anybody relate to that? If you're sitting over there, you're wasting my time. I'm out of here. I had to learn, and I had one little individual. We're going to do it if the Lord's willing. I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean if the Lord's willing? If, you, if you'll get up and go, I'll show you what the Lord's willing to do. I was wrong. What, my nature? My nature. But I had to learn, God, if it's your will. Do you know why? I, I hit enough brick walls that my ingenuity and my fever and my passion could not get me over. And I had to step back and say, well, now. Maybe I need to say, if the Lord's willing, God, if you want me to do it. So Proverbs 21, 31 says you can get your horses ready for battle, but it's the Lord who gives the victory. And then here's the third point, putting off what's right. Anyone who knows the right thing to do but doesn't do it, sins. If he doesn't do it, it sins. That's the third great mistake, procrastination, delaying, postponing. I have every intention of changing now. And I thought about Sharon when I, the, I almost left this out because I said, if Sharon hears this, 
because she got, she has some pictures that she wanted me to hang. I hate hanging pictures. When she hears this, she's, I promise you, before I come back this afternoon at 3.30 or 4 o'clock, she will say, I heard your message this morning. Tomorrow's a holiday. You think you're going to put those pictures up? And you know what my answer is going to be to her? If the Lord's willing. <laughs> if the Lord's willing, I will. If the Lord's willing. You see, procrastination puts off. So what is it that maybe you ought to be doing in your own spiritual life and not put it off anymore? What is it that you really need to get busy about? You know, what is it that you need to do? If you and I were to find sin, we'd say, here's sin. It is adultery, murder, lie, cheat, steal, et cetera, et cetera. Don't, 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 don't. Some of you might even say, I don't cuss, I don't smoke or chew, I don't run around with the girls that do. But the Christian life has to be more than don'ts, doesn't it? You see, if, if it's just don't, Dead people do that best because they don't do anything. But it has to be more than don't. It's called the sin of omission. To know what you ought to do. I ought to join the choir. Why not? I ought to be water bat. Why not? I ought to engage in a small group. Why not? I ought to be involved in a circle jake. Why not? I ought to witness to my sons and daughters. Why not? I ought to make a few adjustments here in my life. This is what the Word of God says. Jesus, Matthew 25, he said, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. I was sick, you didn't visit me in prison. He said, I was hurting and you didn't help me. And you should have, but you didn't. Why? Why not live a life of integrity? I ought to get closer to God. I should. I watched a movie yesterday afternoon called, uh, is the movie about McDonald's. What's the name of that movie? Thank you. How many seen the movie? Go ahead and raise your hand real high. It's all right. Seen the movie. I have not seen the movie. How many of you probably imagine the Lord willing you're not going to see it? Here you go. Well, for those of you who intend to see it, I'm going to give you some things that happen so you don't have to see it anymore. <laughs> Ray Kroc, who, of course, remember him? His name's synonymous. How many of you remember when McDonald's sold hamburgers for 15 cents? Oh, you're, you're on up the line in age, most of you. And 15 cents. The McDonald brothers, they created mustard, ketchup, two pickles, French fries fried at, I think, 450 degrees, hamburgers fried at maybe 375, et cetera, et cetera. Ray Kroc came along, told him he ought to franchise it, do franchise. They had a contract together. The McDonald brothers were just good, solid, integral guys, you know, but they, they didn't move fast. Ray Kroc came along and tried everything under the sun created a franchise, wasn't making enough money, and then 
began to do, do more out from under the umbrella of the contract. At the end of the day, Ray Kroc brought the two McDonald brothers out for about 1.3 or so million each. And they also said, we want 1% in perpetuity of the profits from now on. They got to the closing table. Ray had the checks for 1.3 or 4 million. And he said, but I'm not giving you the 1% in perpetuity. I cannot put it in the contract, cannot put it in the agreement. Those people that are franchised with us will not tolerate that. But I'll give you a handshake. And the first McDonald brother, he talked about it, reached out, shook Ray's hand. The next one reached out, shook Ray's hand as a gentleman's agreement. At the end of the movie, because it's a, based on a true story, the McDonald brothers never got one penny of the gentleman's agreement. Not one penny. Just shook hands but didn't do it. That made me mad. I thought, I'm done with McDonald's. That's the way you're going to do. That's the way you're going to operate. That's the way you founded McDonald's. He even put a McDonald's restaurant across the street from their original restaurant, put them out of business. No more McDonald's. Until I got up this morning at 530. <laughs> <laughs> or 5 o'clock, I mean. And that bacon and egg... Biscuit was. I know I ought to get closer to God, but I don't do that. One of these days, I'm going to go to the dentist. We'll do it. One of these days, I need to get a complete physical. Why don't you do it for the sake of your family? One of these days, I'm going to have a mammogram. You ladies. One of these days, I'm going to spend more time with my family. One of these days, I'm going to put a bad habit to bed. One of these days, I'm going to join a small group. One of these days. Until yesterday, Saturdays a week ago. Bob Singleton thought, I'm coming out of this. He never left the hospital alive. Brett, his son, Bob and Heather have two. Stacy, she and her husband, Andy, are missionaries. Brett worked with his dad's business. Brett's probably 40, 45. We're at the foot of the bed, at the feet there. I said, there's your dad, Brett. He said, yeah. You know, Pastor, 40 years ago, 40 years ago, he said, uh, I didn't care to have a whipping from him. It's what we called it 40 years ago. He said, but I'd give anything in the world right now if my dad had come out of that bed and say, son, I'm about to spank you. I'd give anything in the world for a whipping from him. I heard them talk about all the things and the time and the fun. Bob had a million plus miles on airplanes. 
You see, if you leave this room today and you listen online, don't put off tomorrow. What you know in your heart of hearts, you really ought to initiate today. There's a Peace Corps commercial that said, if you're not doing something with your life, it doesn't matter how long it is. In other words, what's important is not the duration of your life, but the donation of your life. The donation of your life to others. God, what is it you want me to do? I don't want to presume tomorrow is going to happen. I don't want to plan unless I know, is this what you want? You might say, what do you think? We're a bunch of spiritual fanatics. What's wrong with that? I'd rather have a little wildfire than no fire at all and a wet blanket. How about you? Any day of the week. But this message is one of those messages that kind of tells us like the teacher addressing the student. Now sit in the chair, sweetheart, and sit up straight because I want you to pay attention to what I'm going to teach you. And I really do believe that's what God has done to all of us today. Say, sit up straight. I want to teach you. I don't want to wait and say, I'm so thankful for America. I'm so thankful for my brother and my sister. Don't put off maybe this, this time you can build bridges to some of your family members. Do it. Take the time now to tell family members that you love them and you appreciate them, especially for those who have one foot already in the grave. Amen? Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the abundance of your grace and your mercy. We thank you for today. We thank you for America. We thank you for one another. God, I know that you're a performer of miracles. There are a lot of miracles that I know that people need right now. And we're praying, God, this is what we want, but we want to add a little bit. If that's your will, God, that's what I want. That's what I want, but I want you. I want you to desire that as well. I want your desire. More importantly, not my will, thy will be done. And God, when I do that, I can lay that over there on you. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to stress over it. I can know, God, you got this. And I'm not going to take it out of your lap or out of your hands. You've got this. You know what is best. So I'm going to lean on you. Just in case, for those of you who are listening and might be in this room right now, and your heart is not in touch with Jesus, we're going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Would you do that, dear Jesus? Forgive me. I have sinned. I have messed things up. I have misbehaved. I've not done what I know I should. But right now, I ask you to forgive me. I believe you died for me and that you loved me. So take my life, every part of it, I give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. While I was praying, the Holy Spirit spoke. I mentioned family a while ago. Some of you need to talk. You need to have a real sit-down with some of your family members about where they really are in Jesus. Parents want to assume that their children are saved. Don't be blinded. Don't be blinded. If they don't go to church, 
That's a real warning sign right there. You cannot say, I'm born again, and you don't enjoy going to church. Can't do it. It's not scriptural. Have a sit down with them. And maybe they trust you, and maybe they love you, and it might be hard on you. But as I was saying that, here's what you're going to need that you may not have had a chance to think about it. You're going to need an anointing on your life to be able to say the things that God wants you to say. Not just, you might be a good little orator. You might be able to put your thoughts in line and tie it up and put a bow on it. But you're going to need the anointing to be able to do that. The anointing from God that God will speak to them through you through you, through you. So when we get ready and we open this altar and maybe that's you that said, I'm going to need that anointing. You come. Or you need healing in your body. Or you prayed that prayer. Whatever it is that you need to come forward with, we're going to take this moment and just give you a chance to respond as we sing right now. Would you do that? You come on down as God directs you. Here we go.